Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Fuel Your Fandom podcast. My name is Saint. And I'm Jim. And we want to welcome you back to it. Uh, kind of a different format for today's show. Uh, what I wanted to do was kind of bring in uh, kind of like the old version of the show and kind of merge it with the new version of the show and uh, just kind of see what the hell happens because uh, not that I didn't have ideas for what we could talk about today. It's just it's something that tickled my fancy. So I don't know, kind of a celebration of this uh, third season of the podcast wrapping up and because we're only about 10 episodes away from the end of the year. So it's Ooh, uh, yeah, and it's, it's, it's always nice to get your fancy tickled. Some people got to pay extra for that. Uh, some people should pay extra for that. They got a face made for radio. You don't want to tickle your fancy without a little bonus. There's definitely but, a reason why we truck in an audio-only medium. Let's just say that. <laughs> no, sir, you're beautiful. I won't hear Right back at you, sunshine. You're breathtaking. <laughs> so yesterday, on a whim, I just decided to take my wife on a date... And uh, for no for no reason, uh, just kind of wanted to. We had the money in the bank. We had the kid to watch uh, the big kid watch the little kid. Oh, nice parent! Leave my here like that and see what happens. And uh, so we just decided to go out. We went and finally watched that movie Free Guy. Uh, brilliant! I know you liked it. But yeah, I was a big fan of that. I just really, we, we've had the conversation before and actually on the show about why most video game movies are kind of dog shit. Uh, this, to, I mean, we can talk about this in a future episode and certainly it's a new enough movie that we can duck the spoilers right now. But uh, to, to my viewing, it was uh, probably the best comic book movie that's ever been committed to celluloid. You could tell it was made for gamers, by gamers. It got all the details right. And I just thought it was a delightful fucking cinematic experience across the board, uh, even divorced from subject matter. It was just, it, you know, another, another Ryan Reynolds knocking out of the park kind of movie. I loved it. He is such a... Uh... A fan himself, yeah, and of, it shows of, of the media that he shows uh, that he does, and, and and everything after Green Lantern, I think, was just like a real rude awakening for him, and he's just since then just embraced it so wholeheartedly and and so uh, faithfully and adeptly, and and I think he he can do no wrong in my opinion right now. Stop making eye contact with me. Yeah, I'm in the same boat with you. I just love the movie, and even though. Um, there wasn't necessarily, and this again, not spoilers, but you know, it's just something that happened in a movie. There wasn't necessarily a clear sequel hook like you might expect in a lot of sort of like uh, poised to be blockbuster kind of movies. But um, even amidst COVID uh, and being a theatrical only release, uh, Free Guy did well enough that uh, they've already greenlit a second edition. So it'll be interesting to see where they go with that. Um, the the filmmakers definitely and the screenwriters have their work cut out for them. Not a real easy, clear path to telling more story in that universe. But if uh, they get the same crew on it they did this first time, I have every confidence it'll be just as good. Absolutely. Um, and then after the movie, we uh, uh, brought back fast food for the kids and, and bribed them with that so that they uh, were good and not pissy uh, with each other, more or less. And then we went out to one of easily the most expensive dinners I've ever had um, where I got the $120 uh, tomahawk steak 
Yeah, I saw the That's picture of that flex. thing. Yeah. You could kill that's a man a flex. with that, that thing. Took, yeah, it's a, it's a club. Uh, and that's not me trying to flex. That was definitely a, a deep pocketbook hit. But I figured if we're going to do it, we might as well just fucking do it. <laughs> that steak was, was a thing of beauty. It was it was meat-based art. E- even looking at the picture, I could smell it through the screen, and I was insanely envious. Absolutely. And the, and the guy that uh, served it to me, he comes up with the... Well, because I asked for salt and pepper shakers because they don't have them on the table. It's that kind of a joint. Oh, and I asked him uh, for salt and pepper shakers, and he says, okay, but can you please just taste it before you you salt it? I'm like, oh, yeah, for sure. I don't intend to salt the steak, and I didn't. Uh, it was, uh, they gave me a cauldron, like a literal cauldron of vegetables uh, with it, and so those needed a bit of salt, but... All in all, one of the most expensive meals I've ever shelled out for, but absolutely delicious, 100%. It looked like it was worth every penny, too. Let's just say the tip, no pun intended. Just the tip. Just the tip was more than I usually pay for like two or three of us to go out to make a regular dinner. But, you know, once in a while, you really got to get out and do that kind of thing. You have to just, you know, you and I are both busy as shit. We got a podcast. We both work full time. We got bands. We got all this stuff going on. So being able to uh, just take a, a breather. take a, When a window opens, you got to breathe the air through it. You just got to take a minute to kind of enjoy yourself once in a while to remind yourself of why you're doing yeah. the work the rest of the time you're not uh, out having an expensive meal. I actually, uh, my my lady and I had a, a nice date yesterday too. Um, I live about a town over from a beautiful resort town uh, called Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. And it's uh, population-wise, year-round population, it's right about the same size as the unremarkable little Midwestern hamlet that I live in. Um, <laughs> but Lake Geneva is, uh, because it has the benefit of having a beautiful, picturesque lake, uh, you know, right at the center of the town, as you might expect in a town that has a lake in the name. Uh, oh, but this no. particular lake has the the benefit of having been a uh, a railway ride away from Chicago uh, right after the Chicago Fire uh, in the 1800s. So a lot of the sort of very old money and even now older money, rich Chicago industrialists who'd come over from Europe to make their fortune during the Industrial Revolution, um, wound up coming up to the area to uh, to kind of wait for their their homes and their businesses to be rebuilt in the windy city. So Lake Geneva has been christened the um, the Newport of the West, i.e. Newport, Rhode Island, because it's got that same sort of like very nautical seaside feel. It's not an ocean; it's a lake, but it's a big lake. It's a big, beautiful lake, and it's very wooded and very pretty. And so uh, we took the uh, the two hour full lake tour, uh, the guided lake tour on a, on a nice uh, boat that was built uh, right on the same uh, turn of the century time. And it still does the tours, and the tour guide will take you around and say, uh, yes, these seven homes, all of which uh, last time they went up for sale were about 25 or $30 million apiece, are part of the Wrigley Estate, the people from uh, the gum company. But they started their, their fortune in, the Chica- in Chicago in the 1800s making soap and cleaning products. And, and oh, over there, this guy was uh, on the Chicago Board of Trade, and, over the, and just all these old, old wealth money families that built these uh, palatial, like, hundreds of thousands of square foot mansions overlooking the water. And the only way you can see these homes, and they're all architecturally gorgeous, the only way you can see these homes is doing the lake tour because they're all set really far back off the road that circles the lake and they're all gated. So you're not getting in there unless you uh, you know, are a Rockefeller or a Bilderberg or some, yeah, somebody you, you can you trace your, your money. you got to keep the riff out. Champagne wishes and caviar dreams and... 
Yeah, and they, you know, it's it's very effective that they do. But you can see all from a boat, and it is beautiful. It makes for a nice day out. And then we went and had a nice uh, late lunch and uh, did some karaoke and just uh, overall had a lovely day. I do enjoy karaoke. Haven't done that. Yeah, those of us who uh, who, who kind of ply our vocal trade in, in different bands, we got to do what we can to keep the uh, the rust off our pipes in between gigs and practices. So, getting out there and now that it's safe to uh, walk up and grab a public microphone that a thousand people have touched before you, and then stick that windscreen of the SM58 like an inch from your face and blow droplets into it, uh, you know, for those of us who are vaccinated, it can be a nice night out. Yeah, absolutely. I still refuse to touch other people's microphones. It's that's because you're a fucking diva. Maybe I'll take that hit. But, uh, well, that's awesome. And, and coincidentally, there's a couple other things I want to talk, talk about before we get into the subject matter. But uh, before we do that, I want to bring on our guest because we have a guest today. Um, before we get into the discussions, because he might want to be a part of it. He might want to weigh in. You never know. Sure. But uh, for those of you who have been listening to the podcast for any kind of length and duration, uh, before I had Jim as my my permanent co-host i ran through a bunch of different temporary co-hosts uh, it would kind of vary week to week and uh one of the very first was my good friend frankie who we've brought back today actually we didn't bring him back he brought us into his house i'm recording it over at his house so uh frankie welcome back to the podcast it's good to be back man it's been a while it has and uh for those of us uh, who may have forgotten, because we have just really Swiss cheese memories, or maybe they haven't listened to the podcast enough, shame on you. It um, is a function of old age to have holes in your brain, but, you know. It is true. Let's ca- so, we, so we can catch them up a little bit. Right. Uh, why don't you kind of fill in uh, our listeners uh, the stuff that you're into and what you do and your geek cred and all that? <laughs> My geek cred, I like it. Um, pretty much hardcore gamer. It's what I do when I wake up. It's what I do when I get home from work. Um, as far as like game types, it's a massive variety. It's just whatever I'm in the mood for. Um, I enjoy all of the superhero movies, Marvel, DC. Even though you know some are better than others. Let's for sure. Uh, <laughs> I mean, and we've certainly had those conversations. <laughs> yeah, we have. Um, Amen. Doctor Who, Comic Cons, like I just came back from one, so. All right, so now you say you stream video games. What's your uh, gamer tag? How can people find you if they want to watch your stream? Uh, on Twitch, it's Pirate King nine one zero, but the A in pirate is the numerical four. So pi four it pi four. Pyre, pyre for it, <laughs> King Nine One Zero, because that's not ludicrous. And you yeah. send your pirate recipes to fieldyourfandomtalentbooking uh, <laughs> at gmail.com. <laughs> yes, because we do like pie recipes. We are still working on that. Well, Frankie, it is. Uh, it's good to have you back on the program, and uh, I appreciate you letting me use your. Your humble abode to record. Anytime. Keeping that monstrous dog of yours off of me while we did this. <laughs> He's a love bug. He really is. Baymax is a wonderful dog. Hello, I am Baymax. 
your personal healthcare companion. Yes, he With is. a name like that, how could he not be? Exactly. He's just very enthusiastic. But, okay, so here's kind of, before we get into the topic, uh, one of the things that me and Jim have been working on, aside from the Nerd News Nexus stuff, we've been kind of doing a little uh, riff on the Family Guy's uh, What Grinds My Gears thing. And I've had a couple of little things that have been just kind of eating at me. And they're and they're like definitely like first world problem type bullshit, but... But these things have just been kind of eating at me, so I wanted to throw a few at the board and see what you guys thought. You know what really grinds my gears? So, number one, and, and this list on my phone when I took this list, it's just called Things That Piss Me Off. And uh, the first one on there was uh, the little fucking X on the pop-up ads and game ads when you're playing a game on your phone or whatever. It's so small. And so hard to press with my giant fucking thumbs. You accidentally hit the ad? I, I Yeah. It <laughs> opens up uh, Google Play or it opens up some random link on uh, on my phone. And it's like, no, damn it. Now I'm going to keep getting that ad. It's dumb. I hate it. I hate it. Virus alert. someone gets hurt. Do you guys play a lot of games on your phone? You know, I don't play a ton of games on my phone. I, I kind of, uh, I don't know if I'd call myself a, uh, a hardcore gamer in the company of somebody like Frankie, who clearly uh, has, has uh, you know, a, a lot more of a drive to get that stuff accomplished Lives than I do. and but, breathes it. Right. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty OG. Like, my, I think we've discussed this before. My uh, my first game console wasn't even a 2600. It was one of those Pong decks. You had to sit crisscross the applesauce on the floor and move <laughs> the faders on the actual console itself. But, um, yeah, I, I don't play a lot of games on my phone, but I do do a lot of, of just farting around on my phone when I have free time. And uh, even though I, I, I shouldn't admit this because I work in marketing and advertising, I definitely hate online ads. And the um, the little X is is about uh, a third of a pixel wide. And it pops up. If it's, if it's unobtrusive, fine, whatever. Everybody's got to make money somehow. But if it's one of those ones that gets in the way of the content, uh, chances are I'm probably not going to visit your website again. Um but they call that, there's actually, there's a really good, if I can, you know, uh, step out of my own comfort zone for a second and, and pimp another podcast, uh, the Reply All podcast is one of my favorites, and uh, they did a show some time ago called Dark Pattern, and it talks about the sort of tricks and, and things that the web employs to get people to stay on pages, to accidentally click ads, to not be able to get to the content they want in order to sort of like serve the people who write the checks to keep the internet online. And that X is definitely one of those things that, uh, that falls into that category. You try to close it, you're going to get the ad. And whether or not you intended to, you're going to get a cookie on your phone. And pretty soon, uh, before you know it, you're, you're, you're getting ads for things that you would never buy in a million years just because you happen to have sausage fingers. And, and that X is, uh, <laughs> it, you have to have a microscope to see the goddamn thing. And sometimes the X isn't even an X. The X is part yeah. of the, like the picture or the video. So you click on it thinking you could get out of it. And that's also clicking on the ad, even if the. Or you can see it like, superimposed over the background, then it's about right. two shades to the left on the Pantone scale, so it looks <laughs> like part of the the ad itself. And if, unless you squint and you have eyes, the eyes of a uh, uh, an infant, you can't actually see the damn thing. It's it's all intentional. It's all designed to get you to click the ads and to download the cookies and stay in the the loop they want you to be in. It doesn't make anything less infuriating, even if it's a necessary evil. 
In the vein of uh, advertisements and such, there was a couple of those that had in, led to that. Um, the other thing is that the fact that I get ads for things that I've been talking about in conversations not on my phone. I'm listening. Like, I was talking to you at one point over Zoom, and we were talking about, uh, what was it, the Nature Valley granola bars and how you shouldn't eat them in bed, just being jokey jokes. Yeah. And then I started getting ads for Nature Valley granola bars on my phone, and I don't know why, and I don't know where. It happened um, with the wild chips, too, those wild chicken chips that we were yes, talking about that we both yes. really enjoy. And that's that's less irritating because that actually is a really good product that I enjoy a lot. So getting those <laughs> ads doesn't piss me off quite as much as getting an ad for something like, you know, uh, horse paste that I would never ingest on my own. Um those are those are a, a less intrusive kind of ad, but yeah, we talked about the uh, the wild chicken chips, and then uh, you know, kind of like joked around that it'd be great to have them as a sponsor. And though they didn't sign on to sponsor the Feel Your Fandom podcast, they are sponsoring other shit online, and suddenly the ads started popping up again. So I have friends who work in information technology. You tell me. You know, it's your imagination. They're not really listening to you. They're not trying to serve you ads based on the conversations you have passively Bullshit. on your phone. But I, that you know, Google, you're right. Google would not have built the most robust voice recognition technology plus the most robust ad serving platform online and find a way not to connect those dots in a sneaky way that makes them even more insane amounts of money. I was standing in a parking lot in San Francisco once talking to a friend outside of a restaurant and a guy in a, uh, an exterminator truck pulled up and thankfully he wasn't going into the restaurant we just left so that oh, was geez. bullet dodged. But he started talking to us. Uh, we just kind of struck up a conversation with the guy, as you do with people you meet in public. And he was talking to us about how he's trying to start an organic exterminator company where he uses things like essential oils and, and different devices and methods to, to kill pests, but not to be harmful to pets, plants, and, and, and people. And it was an interesting conversation. And then two days later, I got a Google results uh, survey ad on my phone saying, have you or anybody you know shopped for organic pest control supplies in the last 48 hours? And <laughs> You know, she can't, I'm sorry. I know there's a lot of people and some of them listen. Hi, Justin. We've had this conversation a couple of different times and you're going to tell me that it's not true. And, and you have forgotten more about this stuff than I will ever know. And I'm inclined to believe you, but I just have some personal experiences with it that are a little bit eyebrow raisingly shady. And it leads me to believe that maybe yeah. there's shit going on that uh, they're not cluing us into. Yeah, I agree. And like at this point, I just wake up and like, I need to get this. I'll just start talking about it randomly in my house. So when I sit down on my computer, it's already there for me. I'm like, thanks, guys. <laughs> Appreciate it. Hey, Wiretap. It's very thoughtful while you're of you. Listen, while you're listening, I need uh, <laughs> pancake recipes and <laughs> non-toxic pest removal services. Yeah, just just out of curiosity, I'm going to... I'm going to make sure and say this out loud. My phone is right in front of my face so you can hear me. It is not on. It's, it's got the uh, always on display so I can see what time it is. But I'm going to say right out loud within full earshot of my phone that, gosh, it sure would be nice if I could get some deals on aluminum siding sometime soon. My house really needs to get winterized and protected against the elements before December rolls around. I guess we'll see what happens. I'll keep you that posted. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. <laughs> me, I just I haven't gotten any Nature Valley ads in a while. So uh, Google, if you're listening... Hey, I sure would love a deal on some granola bars. Make with the granola, you ad-serving bastards. I just want to see if it works. All right, last one for advertisements, maybe. Uh, YouTube ads that pop up in the middle of a song that you're listening to or just horribly timed and placed to where they pop up in the middle of a sentence or the middle of an action, something you're watching. Like not a logical cut point. 
What the fuck, YouTube? Get your shit together. Honestly. Everything's algorithm-driven. It's all automated now. But, yeah, they don't... Uh, some creators online on, on, on YouTube will build in natural breaks. And sometimes the algorithm will pick up that break and they'll stick the ad in there. But other times... Hey, are you looking for aluminum siding? We've got great... And it's right in the middle of the sentence, just like that. And it's annoying as piss. And I agree with you. It's actually so like annoying that I did something recently. The middle of a song. The middle of a song. Come I on. did something recently that I swore I would never do. Now, we've bitched about this before. Cord cutters used to have a lot of options. You could, you know, you would kill your cable and then pay for a streaming app or two. So That's what I do. now I pay for Hulu, ad-free. Right. I pay for Netflix. I pay for HBO Max, Amazon Prime, Disney Plus. Um, one or two other ones I can never remember until I'm actually looking at my TV with the That's tiles on it. But I finally got so pissed off, so annoyed at the pre-roll ads, and I know on YouTube that I, I ponied up the 12 bucks a month to actually get YouTube Premium, and it's a, you know, oh, yeah, I, well, I rationalize that by saying that when I'm laying in bed trying to fall asleep and just watching TV, trying to get myself tired, who's going to commit to a half-hour TV episode or a two-hour-long movie? I want to watch things in bite-sized chunks, so I watch YouTube probably more than all the rest of my streaming apps combined. And the ads, and I know this is calculated, again, just like the, the skinny-ass X on the mobile ad or on the gaming app, it's calculated because they really want you to pay for their premium service. So what they started doing was they started putting 15 to 30 seconds skip, unskippable ads in front of every video, and all of them were, um, yeah, 15, 15 to 30 second unskippable ads, and, and there were two of them. And most of them were for things I would never in a million years buy. And it, it just it got to be exhausting to the point where I was looking at these things, trying to think, trying to mentally keep track of all the shit that I promised myself I would never buy just because their ads were so obnoxious and intrusive <laughs> got to be overwhelming. So I thought, fine, YouTube, in this war of attrition, you have fucking won. I will pay you your pittance of 12 bucks a month. I will add you to the roster of streaming services I pay for just to avoid the annoying pre-roll, minute-and-a-half-long a pair of ads that came in front of every uh, video that I wanted to watch at any point in the last six months. I cracked, I broke down, they fucking win. YouTube, have my money. Here's one that's pissing me off lately, and we're not going to go on a photo rant this whole time. I'm just, I got a few. No. I got a few. We do have stuff we're going to get to, but this is important. Right. Multiply related items from Wisher AliExpress. Uh that have no relation to the things that I've actually been looking at on AliExpress or Wish. So, like, for instance, on AliExpress, there's two things that I've been shopping for lately. I shop for uh, knockoff transformers. Because they've got this line <laughs> of transformers. It's like five inches. I've showed you. They're, they're yeah. really great. And they're pretty inexpensive. And so I go there every now and again. Buy one or two, have them shipped to my house for like two months it takes. But And then the other thing is, and that's going to lead directly into today's conversation, is uh, bits and pieces of costumes uh, for cosplay. And uh, so those are the main things that I look for. But they're sending me, hey, we thought you might like this. I get multiple pop-ups at a time. Like there'll be like three from AliExpress. One will be for, like, a Transformer, which makes sense. And then there'll be one for, like, hair extensions, which makes zero sense if you've ever seen me. Um, <laughs> there's nothing to extend. I'm bald. So. But then there's, and then there's like, uh, women's 
products, we'll say, uh, intimate products. And it's like, I'm certainly not shopping for that on AliExpress. Um, but relate, as it says, related to items you viewed. And I just have to sit there and go, uh, no, it's not. <laughs> the world is run and by algorithms now. And, and the, <laughs> the machines... are broken. As, yeah, well, as much as... Uh, where do you want to be? Do you want to be in a place where the algorithms know everything about us? Or do you want to be in a place where the artificial intelligence stays good and stupid? It really is an inconvenience either way. But which is the lesser of two evils? That might be worth talking about. Maybe, but... Um, yeah, I don't know. And, and I, I remember we had a conversation a while back, Frankie, uh, when we were driving to Canada, I huh. think. And, right, because Patrick was trying to click wish things on my phone. Because we were talking about how if you look at like one sexually related item, then that's what you're going to see. Like butt plugs and dildos for miles. And so <laughs> I was trying to tell him about that without actually having clicked on any of them. And he's reaching across me trying to jab at my phone. And uh, he was, he finally got one. And so I, it was for like some shady, holistic penis growth cream. And uh, I think I got, like, ads for that for, like, a month. Incidentally, Butt Plugs and Dildos for Miles is the name of one of my bands. That's my Wiggles tribute band. So (laughs) tune in, kids. Fruit salad. Yummy, yummy. (laughs) Perfect. Perfect. Uh, Let's see. Last two. Uh, The thing on Facebook that I've seen a lot recently is the... uh, uh, people who can't do these things, who can relate to people who can't do these things, are like, all we have to do to cripple the economy is make all cars stick shift and write everything in cursive writing and just... Have you seen those? You know what I'm talking about? Are these ads? No, it's these memes that people post. And it's supposed to be like, oh, the new generation can't do these things that we did when we were younger. Like, oh, well... They can't write in cursive or they can't drive a stick shift. Uh, they don't fucking have to. You're talking about antiquated shit. Like there's one, there's like this little military uh, MRE can opener. Uh, I know what it's like because I've used one. And, and I, I know what it's like because I used to work for a military surplus catalog that sold a ton of those things and I had to write copy right. about them. Right. So we know what they are, but... It is a product that is 100% not necessary in these day and ages. It's this right. stuff that's antiquated that they're kind of making fun of. Uh, boomers are making fun of millennials because they don't know how to use these things or how to do these things. And in reality, all you're doing is being gatekeepery and, and kind of elitist. And it's stupid. Because like, like none of these things the, make the- sense. Yeah, you're proud of the fact that you grew up in a technologically unadvanced era when you post a meme like, only cool people remember the, the relationship between these two items, and it's a cassette tape and a number two pencil. First of all, you're not special. Everybody knows that shit. <laughs> I mean, anybody who is 40 or under, chances are their first car had a tape deck. So it's not some kind of exclusive club where you can brag about being a Luddite or having grown up in an era where, you know, your, your original recorded music came to you on 8-track. That's not, you know, it doesn't make you special. But then when you get into assuming that it makes you superior because of that because you know you grew up in a time that was harder 
you know, we're we're all in our. Uh, I, I I don't. I'm not going to presume uh, your age, Frankie, but I know Kevin and I are we're, we're firmly Gen Xers. I'm I'm right in the middle of my 40s, and um, you know, so we were kind of the last generation that had a pre-technological and post-technological era. We had outside unsupervised adventures, and then at a certain point, the tipping point came, and we had the internet, and we had uh, movies at home, and we had video games, and and there's a definite before and after breaking point on that where we could sort of like look at, at ourselves as like being really the last generation, or the, the only generation that had that. So we can make jokes about like, oh, boomers not only have still VCR, still have VCRs, but they can't program the clocks on the front. And then we, you know, look at uh, the, 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 any generation that came underneath us and you're going to buy a, a spare tire cover for your Jeep that says, this vehicle is equipped with a millennial anti-theft device. And it's got a picture of a stick shift diagram on it. So it's, it's a weird sort of uh, gener- misplaced generational pride thing where yeah. you brag about the shit that you remember from being a kid as though that somehow makes you better than what the kids have now. But Saints right. I mean, they don't need to worry about what the World War II MRE can opener is because now we have actual can openers that work to open cans. You don't have to worry about... Or pull you know, I personally prefer a stick shift. I don't have a stick shift car right now because they're few and far between, but my first couple of cars were stick shifts. I love driving at stick shift, but I don't think it makes me better just because I know how to do it because somebody else is, drives a relatively easier automatic transmission vehicle. But, yeah, this sort of like uh, this this weird... Uh, superficial, self-superior nostalgia thing that somehow your childhood was more valid because you grew up having to do things more difficult. Or if you got spanked, you know? Oh, I was spanked as a kid and I grew up fine. I'm like, no. Did you? (laughs) I I, I did. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I got to go outside and ride my bike without a helmet. Well, you're lucky you weren't one of those... These weren't spankings. These were ass whoopings. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, but I, I subject to you that we're not exactly fine. We're a little bit broken. But. Well, you know, everybody is, and we're all broken in different ways. But, you know, it, it really just depends on, I guess, how you were raised. But being proud of the things that made you broken. You know, I, I get to go out and have uh, just come home when the streetlights are on. Well... You know, uh, Satan and I famously met uh, amongst at least a certain demographic. I say famously yeah. by by being uh, anti child predator activists together. Yeah, have a seat back over there for me. So uh, to sit there and say that I got to go outside without a helmet and ride my bike around, and I had to come in when the street lights. Well, it was a different time. It was a different time, and that kind of shit isn't safe anymore. So this this weird misplaced uh, generational pride that you have with having grown up. Uh, unsupervised and potentially killing yourself every other 10 minutes because you're outside running down to the gulch when throwing rocks at bears and whatever, you know, whatever it is that you did as a kid, uh, because you think you had a more valid childhood because you went outside and your kid has a, a Kindle and an Xbox and a, and a, a smartphone, you shut the fuck up. It, it doesn't make you any better. It just makes it different. Right. And my last little bitch gripe piece of grievance before we get to the main topic. And this is just personally, this is me. And this one I didn't add to the list until I was driving over here. Because I listen to a lot of hip-hop. I have a hip-hop station I listen to on Spotify. Uh, which surprises a lot of people. Uh, because I am a metalhead and I do play in a metal band and I do all that. And But I, I have a real firm foundation in late 90s, early 2000s hip-hop. That's just what I was into. So... But now we've got this kind of rampant thing where, like, newer hip-hop, they'll have a producer screaming his name repeatedly. DJ Khaled! 
DJ Khaled! DJ Khaled is definitely one of the main... Jason uh, Derulo! Right. Over and over. Not part of the song. Not part of the beat. <laughs> just like flexing. And and the one I was listening to on the way here was, uh, it was a Nipsey Hussle song. And over the backbeat, all you could only hear was uh, uh, Maybach music. Maybach music. Maybach music. Maybach music. Maybach music. Maybach music. Like repeatedly. Like just randomly. Like an audio watermark. Yeah, exactly. Exactly that. An audio watermark. And I don't know why. The singer should have paid premium. Maybach music. (laughs) (laughs) Get that watermark off. Clean that shit off your stock photo. Maybe that's exactly what it is. Maybe they just didn't pay enough. They're like, ah, this is good enough. People, we can, you could hear Jason Derulo's name 15 times. That's fine. You can get the first minute and a half of your breakbeat free, but if you actually want to use it in your song to remove the watermark, you got to pay the premium for that. That's why I bought the the beats that I use for the intro and outro music. I wanted to make sure I got clean music. <laughs> there you go. DJ Khaled! Well, at the very least, especially in the case of DJ Khaled, and again, I don't make any value judgments on anybody who likes a certain kind of music over another. I, I'm not as into hip-hop as you are, but I definitely do listen to a lot of it, especially from the era that you described, the sort of uh, mid to late 90s, early 2000s stuff. Um you know, at least when you hear DJ Khaled scream out his name at the beginning of the song, that's a nice warning. It's a nice red flag that you can turn that shit off because you know nothing that comes afterwards is going to be any more enjoyable than that part was. Not a fan, but what do you do? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I used to listen to a lot of hip hop, and again, this is going to sound real cultural appropriate because I am, you know, if you've ever seen me, you, you, you know, like you know Saints Bald, you know, I'm a white guy. I'm a white guy, so I can't really pass any kind of value judgments, nor would I dare on anybody else's sort of like cultural thing. But I sort of stopped listening to hip hop when, and again, this is it's very good off my lawn. Um, but there's a good reasoning <laughs> behind it. It's not that that it went mainstream, but once once. Um, rap artists started becoming very, very successful. There emerged this sort of... I was working at a record store at the time, which is, again, a very old-fashioned sentence, as as, uh, some comedians would say. (laughs) But I listened to a lot of hip-hop when it first came out because it was a peek into a life that I didn't really share and wanted to understand and wanted to sympathize with. So I listened to a lot of Body Count. I listened to a lot of NWA. I listened to a lot of... um, you know, uh, Too Short, and just some of the really, really early, like LL Cool J, Ice-T, a lot of the really early pioneers of uh, of sort of the new brand of gangster hip-hop. And it, it used to be kind of about what you didn't have in your life. You didn't have a safe neighborhood. You didn't have good prospects. You didn't have a good job. You didn't have any respect. You didn't have any money. You just kind of, it was a real hard scrabble urban poetry that kind of described what these guys' lives were like. Um, as they were kind of trying to make their way in the world and and, and uh, be as positive as they could about sort of their upbringing. And then at some point, there was a real pivotal sea change in hip-hop. And instead of being about things that you didn't have, it was about things that you did have. And it became a brag fest about, I got money and guns and hoes and dogs and... I got hoes. I got hoes. In different area codes. 
And if you look at like the the cover of NWA Straight Outta Compton, it's all those guys standing in a circle, presumably around somebody they've just beat the shit out of, and it kind of gives you a sense of what their perspective is in both a literal and figurative sense. But then, uh, by the end of my record store career, I started stocking albums by Master P, and they all had blinged out covers with badly photoshopped guys, stand, you know, squatting in front of a couple of uh, you know Rolls Royces parked at right angles with uh, pit bulls with gold plated diamond studded collars in front of a gaudy mansion, and it's like you know, I. It started off as sort of like an, an, an aspirational thing of like, uh, you know, we started from the bottom and now we're here and I get that. We, we've become successful doing this very authentic thing by creating this art form. We started on the street and now we have houses and cars and, and we have some success. But it just became unrelatable at that point. And I understand that that was fine for some people, but it just, they kind of lost me when, when that happened and I, I kind of stopped listening at that point. So the whole idea of... Like you said, like it's a flex. Like um, I, I can afford this high-ticket producer to work with me on my track to collab on my, my art. So I'm going to have this person who really is not a creator, is not a musician, is, is really a, a, a technical person. And some of them are very good. I mean, don't get me wrong. But I'm going to have this person who's essentially running my boards yell out his name at the beginning of my song so that all, all you guys know that I was able to pony up for a good producer. It just that seems like an unnecessary too. thing. That, that could be. It could be. It just seems really unnecessary to me. And again, if it's for you, cool. And as as a fucking old white guy, I got no uh, (laughs) resort to to pass on judgment on anybody else's music. Uh, It just it's one of those things that kind of uh, became not for me after a certain point because of shit like that. I get it. Okay, so all of that was just pointless ranting about shit that pisses me off. Uh, which first world problems, white guy exactly. issues. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we definitely want to hear if you guys have shit like that, that bothers you, uh, send it to us. Let us know where you uh, stand with all of this. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash feel your fandom. You can find us on Gmail, uh, feel your fandom at gmail.com. And our backup email address is fyftalentbooking at gmail.com, and that's where you want to send show topic suggestions, guest suggestions, especially if they're you, and also the pie recipes we keep on throwing ourselves on the mercy of the court and begging for. Uh, and if you want to find the latest and greatest and freshest and finest episodes of the Feel Your Fandom podcast, they go up first and foremost at feelyourfandom.buzzsprout.com, and from there they are syndicated to all of your favorite podcast platforms, including iHeartRadio and Spotify and Stitch. And Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts. And as Saint recently figured out this week by doing some random Googling, we're apparently also on Audible, which we didn't know. So if you're listening to us on Audible, you knew something we didn't about our own show. Good for you. Right. I did a random Google search and it sprung up on Audible. And I'm like, nah, that's some kind of weird pop up ad. So I clicked on it. And yeah, we're available on Audible. So sweet. We are definitely Good job, worldwide. Amazon. And if you want to find us at Instagram, uh, we're also at at Fuel Your Fandom on Instagram, and we're on Twitter at at Fuel underscore Your. And those are all the places you can find us, and we always appreciate it when you do. Absolutely. So what I wanted to talk about, and, and kind of why I brought Frankie on the program. Now, Frankie, you just got back from uh, Rose City Comic Con yesterday, right? Yes. And uh, you, you're, you're kind of an... One of the things I know about you, I've known you a few years, just knowing that you're just a big con attendee. You love going to these things. You like, you know, the con dress up, the cosplay and all that. You like collecting swag that you get from these 
cons. I know I'm I'm literally staring <laughs> at walls full of <laughs> as I sit here. Yeah, my walls but, uh, hanging up with them all. <laughs> Same. I, I I hang up about as much as my wife will tolerate. Probably just a little bit more to stay contentious, but. <laughs> I kind of she knew to you talk were about what's that? She, she knew you were a snake when she picked you up. That's on her. That's what I'm I love saying. You, Daniela, she knew don't hurt she me. Married. <laughs> <laughs> but that's kind of what I wanted to talk about is uh, conventions. Now that uh, the vaccination count's going up and uh, things are starting to open up a bit more, we're starting to have things like like 2020. We didn't have conventions, which was no. really really weird. And it was rough. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I'm not the biggest con attendee. I go like every other year, basically. Uh, and the only one I really ever go to anymore is uh, Emerald City Comic Con in Seattle. Yep. Um, but th- we didn't even have that in 2020. And I was expecting 2021 would follow much the same pattern. But Again, as the vaccinations roll out and as more and more people do get vaccinated, get vaccinated, people. Do it. Do it. <laughs> but as more and more people get vaccinated and, and we're able to drive uh, infection rates down, things like movie theaters opening again, things like uh, cons are coming back, concerts are coming back. And I, I know there's a little trepidation still uh, with uh, like con guests or things like that, but it's starting to come back into the mainstream uh, to the point where I actually shelled out and I bought tickets to Emerald City Comic Con for my entire family. We're all going to go, provided it stays open. But uh, I kind of wanted to talk about the appeal and the draw of of the Comic Con, the things that make us want to go and make us want to participate in these nerd mecha type events and and kind of uh, hype ourselves up for them again as they're coming back. Jim, have you ever gone to a Comic-Con? You know, I haven't, and it's inexcusable because I actually have a very good friend who is on the board of San Diego Comic-Con, which um, any Comic-Con you can go to uh, uh, is is a, a good one to go to. And, you know, actually, I'm going to retract that for a second. I, I just lied to you. I did actually go to WizardCon in Chicago, but it was a lot of years ago. It was probably at least 15 or 20 years back that I went to that, and that was great. But I have not been to San Diego Comic-Con. I haven't been to uh, Emerald City Comic-Con. There's a lot of cons I haven't been to. The most recent con that I went to wasn't even really a con. It was an expo. I did go to E3 in 2011, 12, and 13. Well, gaming um, kind conventions of before count. Yeah, it was kind of before E3 got fragmented, before Sony dipped out, before uh, COVID came along and decided to decimate crowd-based sort of attractions. Um, But yeah, I mean, now that things are kind of picking back up again, I I am hoping to to do a little more traveling. I work for uh, an advertising agency that deals just with hospitality and hotels. We have a lot of clients in San Diego, and in the due course of writing about how cool San Diego is, trying to get people to go to San Diego, Comic-Con comes up a lot, and San Diego as a general concept comes up a lot, and and the place sounds pretty great. So at some point I'll go out there, and I'm hoping to go and visit my friend Mark, who who is on the the board of Comic-Con, and who kind of helps with that event 
Don every year. Uh, if not this year or next year, the year after. At some point in the next couple of years when, when things really settle down, I'm hoping to get out to that. But, they, you know, they're, they're always fun. Anytime I've gone to anything like that, they're always a good time. And uh, I really wish that um, there were more and better ones closer to where I am so that I could kind of make that a part of my, uh, my overall social calendar. But... Um, uh, who knows? At some point, I'm, I'm sure I'll, I'll get to at least a couple of these, especially now that things are starting to, uh, to to be able to be gone to again. Well, yeah, I, and and like I said, if you end up going to San Diego Comic Con, take me with you. I will, uh, I will, uh, I'll fit in your luggage. It'll be fine. We'll do a remote episode from uh, from San Diego. <laughs> Perfect. See, yeah, exactly that. But like uh, Emerald City Comic Con, I know for a fact, uh, I've gone. I want to say half a dozen times in the, uh, I've lived here a long time. It's like 20-something years, 25 years now. Um, it's probably been more like 10 times. I've gone quite a few. I've gone to quite a few. Uh, I, I'm never a multi-day attendee because I usually just kind of get what I want out of the way. I ha- I've social anxiety, and so... Uh, one of the concepts that people deal with with social anxiety is is the is the concept of spoons. I only have so many yep. spoons uh, before I run out of spoons, and each activity takes a certain amount of spoons. And once you run out of spoons, you got to be done. Yeah, no, that was uh, somebody. I came across it on TikTok. I had to explain things about introverts and extroverts and it's similar to what you're saying except they were talking about introverts will have like five coins yeah and then as soon as they're out of those coins they're like they're broke they're done whereas extroverts they start the day without coins and collect coins right so now that's a good way to think of it too yeah no that's actually a really good way to think of it and and i've heard of people use it like uh uh, D players like you only have so much uh, mana to dole out before you're out of mana and you have to recharge, right? Um, Same basic concept. Slots. Or Not skill mana. slots. Yeah. Is that what it is? It's like skill or spell slots. Okay. Yep. So it's like they, they get so many uh, that they can do per day. And before then have you to, have to reset. Yeah, yeah. so it's like a ha- they get like a half rest or a full rest. They'll get those slots back. Right, and so I've always had that kind of feeling around... Uh, big events like concerts or SCA events back when I used to do the SCA or now with uh, Comic-Cons and things like that, uh, I always just kind of get severely overwhelmed for one day. I figure I can handle it for one day. I don't need to go back. I get it all knocked out. Um, I'll get all the swag I want to buy. Usually I'll go on a Saturday. Uh, so I have the Sunday to rest, but uh, so that's what we did. I got tickets for myself, my wife, and my two kids. And what I'm trying to do right now, and what I mentioned a little bit earlier, I'm trying to get my kids into the whole cosplay aspect of Comic Con. Now I'm not—I don't sew. I'm not a creator like that. You're not a cosplayer either, are you? Not really. I do costuming, but I'll either have it made or purchased. Mm-hmm. I don't like... I mean, I've seen some really beautifully intricate costumes, <laughs> but I can't do that. 
And I know my limitations. So never, never seen you dress up. Is this strictly for the bedroom? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you said you hadn't seen it. I have not seen him. <laughs> so I'm asking, is that is that why I haven't seen it? For the wife only? No, basically, the I do lazy costumes. Like, I'll do... Uh, uh, I've gone to a couple of cons dressed as, like, a Jedi. I have ah. a Jedi robe that I had custom made and, and uh, like, at a costume shoot in Tacoma. And you got your Star Trek engineering jacket. Right. And actually, the thing that pissed me off about that, I really like... I have this uh, Deep Space Nine uniform mm-hmm. that I bought from eBay, and it was just a random crapshoot thing. I paid, like, 20 bucks for it, 25 bucks for it. And it came directly from the Star Trek experience in Las Vegas. So it's it's official, as official as it's going to get. And uh, so it's got the quilted shoulders. I don't know if you watch much Star Trek, but oh, yeah, it's got I've the gray shoulders. Yeah. Yeah, not my favorite. <laughs> okay. But you know the uniform <laughs> I'm I talking about. Yeah. Right. So it's got the, the black jacket with the gray quilted shoulders. And mm-hmm. then underneath of it, you have to wear the uh, the shirt for the division that you're a part of. In this particular jacket is for engineering. So you have to wear like the yellow undershirt for it. So I've been using, uh, that's one of the ones I've used a couple times. I've dressed up that way a couple times. But one of the things that I've been using is like this really weird mustard colored turtleneck that I just kind of roll the collar under and it's super uncomfortable. It's hot as balls. Uh, So I've been using that a couple of years. And so what I ended up doing is on AliExpress, I've been searching for Star Trek uniforms for my kids. And one of the things I discovered was like 30 bucks. It's the replication of these undershirts. It's not the whole uniform, but it's the undershirts. And they're the zip up to the collar to the Adam's Apple area. So it's it's exactly the same style, exactly the right style. So it's got the room on the collar for the pips. And then the jacket. I tried it on with the jacket. I finally got it yesterday. And I tried it on with the jacket. And it's fucking mint. It's beautiful. It looks great. It's made of like the worst polyester that is not going to breathe at all. So I'm still going to die. But... Looks-wise, it'll be fucking on point. Well, you got to suffer for your art, pal. <laughs> yeah. Not as much as... <laughs> I remember distinctly a few years back waiting in line to get Will Wheaton's autograph. I love you, Will Wheaton. But there was... Uh, uh, Leah Thompson had a booth right next to where Will's was. And, you know, all of you, of course, know Leah Thompson from Howard the Duck and Back to the Future. And, and she was like queen of the 80s movies and she's just she's still gorgeous it's fantastic but um did you hear off the topic she's still trying to get like a a sequel to the howard the duck movie made I don't know how well I she's in a that. better position to do that now than she ever would have been i mean you know if they can get seth green on board i mean yeah but, uh, but what, what kills me, uh, as a little aside, what kills me about Leah Thompson is that she's older now than Lorraine was in the original Back to the Future, but she still looks the same age. They, yeah. they had to add the age makeup to her to make her look like she could have been Marty McFly's mom. Uh, and, and, and Lorraine in the first movie was older than Leah Thompson is now, and, and she looks nothing like that. She's, she's fucking good genetics. Well 
good genetics. Right. But there was this dude that walked up while I'm waiting in the line for Will Wheaton's autograph. This dude walks up, and I don't know if you've ever played Silent Hill. Frank, I know you've probably played Silent Hill, haven't you? No? No. I'm not big into the horror-type games. Jim, you ever play Silent Hill? I played a little Silent Hill. I played the first two, maybe three games in the series back on the original PlayStation, but I haven't really touched them in a while. They've got this character. He's like 10 feet tall, and he just he's called Pyramid Head. I know who you're talking about, though. I've seen people cosplay that. It's ludicrous. Like, imagine walking around the con dressed like that. Yep. And that's when I kind of, like, because Leah Thompson loved his his costume so much, she came out from her booth to get her picture taken with him (laughs) instead of the other way around. Uh And and right next to her booth was the, uh, the two twins actors who played the Weasley twins. And they were just staring flabbergasted at this costume, too. It was amazing. And the guy's on stilts. This thing is humongous. He's carrying around, I want to call it a buster sword, just because I'm a Final Fantasy player. Yeah. But this sword is like eight feet tall. It's ludicrous. This costume is ridiculous. And that's right then and there is where I decided that I'm never, ever... Going to cosplay as something where I have to carry around fucking props. You know what I mean? I want to be able to, like, if I get <laughs> fucking annoyed with it, I can go to my car, unzip the Star Trek jacket, unzip the Star Trek shirt, throw a T-shirt on, and be good to go. You know? I, I have dedication to it, but not that much. That's ridiculous. <laughs> and you've seen a lot of costumes, too. What kind of things have you cosplayed? Uh... I haven't started yet. I'm collecting the pieces I need to start making my characters. Oh, okay. So I'm not cosplaying like anybody in particular. I'm doing OCs. Cool. So you're going to just make up your own thing, which is great because yeah. then you have a lot fewer people judging you. You know what I mean? And nobody can come up and bust your chops because you didn't get the buttons right on some like waistcoat or something. <laughs> That's Okay, so my experience with that is like if you post it on social media – you'll get those negative comments, right? But if you cosplay at the convention, like, nobody ever busts your chops if there's anything wrong. Like, people are always complimenting each other. People are always taking pictures with each other. Like, it's always a positive vibe at the conventions. But on social media... It's I've a different seen that. thing. The yeah. negative, yeah. Well, the, the anonymity of the internet creates a certain breed of asshole exactly. that feels like they, they, they yep. can say things to you <laughs> in abstention they would never say to your face. Yeah, yeah. So. exactly <laughs> that. Well, yeah, and, and like you see all types of like body shapes. I think it was one year it was like I saw something like a hundred Harley Quinns. There's just all of them. And I think that might have been right around when uh, Suicide Squad Yeah. Yep. And I got nothing against Harley Quinn. I think Margot Robbie is beautiful, talented, wonderful in that role. Um, Certainly there were some creative takes on the character. But what I love about cosplay, and what maybe you're right about, is, is that in person you don't get that negativity. You get a lot of people just being accepting and, and just happy that you're doing it with them. You know? Yeah. Because you have all kinds of 
you know, short, tall, well, fat, thin. I mean, all kinds of body shapes, gender swap, you know, whatever. Oh, yeah. And, and it's just this really cool vibe that I really enjoy. And I really like, like, the creative costumes. Like, you'll see a lot of Batman, right? And I see this one popping up around on the Internet a lot. And, and and I love it every single time I, I see it. But it's uh, these two people dressed like Thomas and Martha Wayne. And so every time they see a Batman, they'll collapse <laughs> on the ground <laughs> like they're the dead. Case. Like they just got shot yeah, in front of case. every Batman they see. Yep. That's fucking brilliant. That's <laughs> it's brilliant. hilarious. <laughs> I've seen some pictures where like they do that and like the uh, person that's cosplaying as Batman actually like gets in pose and is just like, <laughs> no. <laughs> and I can the see people doing the, the that with like Uncle Ben. Yeah. I'm dressed as childhood trauma. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about doing that because like I said, I stick to amazingly uh, Star Trek, Star Wars kind of cosplay. I thought about getting myself like a TOS era red shirt uniform. And, like, putting a great big phaser burn in the middle of it. <laughs> and just going the to the dead red, red shirt. classic red shirt phaser burn. Maybe do, like, a zombie makeup. But that's even that's a lot of effort. But, like, do, like, a zombie makeup or yeah, just dead makeup. And then just have someone, like, in the Dr. McCoy outfit follow me. He's dead, Jim, with a sign that says he's dead, Jim. He's dead, Jim. But... <laughs> But yeah, so I mean, I'm trying to put my costume together. Again, my costume's extraordinarily lazy, uh, and I purchase a lot of mine. But I feel like that doesn't even matter anymore either, Mm-mm. because people are just happy that you're doing it. Well, and if you so want to purchase I, a costume piece, we might even have a recommendation for you, especially if you want to kind of uh, exist in the Star Wars universe. Good friend of the show, Paul Haga, uh, oh, yeah. has a an Etsy store called PH Props, and he uh, goes all in on making things like. Uh, uh, movie accurate belts and uh, Kylo Ren neck seals and and holsters for blasters. He's he makes yeah, mostly accessories and costume pieces, but he's he's tremendous. He makes these. Yeah, uh, he's actually five hundred one uh, certified for the five hundred first um, Legion uh, of stormtroopers, primarily. Any sort of Star <laughs> Wars uh, costume troop that wants to be film accurate, um, they got to be cleared by the five hundred first. And and Paul is yeah. he does great work. So shout out to Paul for that. He just made a run of Cobb Vanth belts. That look amazing. And I yeah. just... Huge shout out to Paul Hogg, a friend of the show. Um, but yeah, I mean, like for instance, from AliExpress, I purchased for my son uh, a uniform top uh, for Star Trek Lower Decks. I bought him the, uh, the red uh, jacket from Lower Decks. And he's got purple hair dye. Not dye, but like... That gel shit. And he's going to spike his hair up and do uh, Ensign Boimler for uh, Comic-Con. He's super excited about that. And this is Boimler's hidey closet where he pretends to be a captain like a big boy. This is not a good tour! And then uh, my daughter wants nothing more than to be Ensign Tilly from Star Trek Discovery. (laughs) It's all she can talk about. It's all she wants. And it happens to be... A very expensive costume. That the Discovery jumpsuit is ridiculous expensive. I'm probably going to have to pull the trigger on it because if I want to get her into the spirit of things, 
It's like, so your costume is going to cost more than my costume and my son's costumes at the same time. But whatever. She's got well, the not hair like she's for a grade it. schooler and she's going to grow out of it in a couple of months anyway. So, you know, you're right. fine. F my life. <laughs> but, and then my wife is talking about doing some kind of uh, uh, black leather jumpsuit looking thing for uh, uh, Section 31 from the Discovery era. So. That's pretty exciting. We're looking forward to that. Provided it doesn't get shut down again. Which Fingers crossed. Please don't get shut down again. I need this. Damn it. Yeah, especially since they pushed it to December. When they're typically a March convention. See, that's cool, though, because I'll be wearing that jacket. So I will be warm. So hopefully that doesn't bite me in the ass like it would in the beginning of spring and summer. So, but, uh, Jim, I, you did enough cosplay. You didn't do it for cons, but you used to do a lot of dress up for, uh, state fairs and, and rent fairs and, and, and yeah, that was actually and, less of a, uh, for, for a, um, uh, leisure time and more for a job. There's uh, right, right, right. I live sort of near the Wisconsin, Illinois border. There are two events that kind of happen subsequently every year. Uh, one is the Bristol Renaissance fair. Uh, which is right on the state line. The other one is Fright Fest, which is uh, Six Flags. Uh, That's their Halloween promotion. And I'd say somewhere, for the period of time that I did it, from the time I was about 19 till I was about 31, so about 12, 13 years, um, it was about the same group of people. About 80% of the same people did each event. Because, uh, you know, they're all people who were actors and nerds and gamers and cosplayers and that. And, and being able to go out and earn money wearing a costume and and uh, entertaining people on some level, even if you were sort of working at the same time. The, the, the Renaissance Fair, I actually had a job. I worked for games, so I ran primarily the High Striker Machine, which is that, that hammer and bell thing that you got to try and uh, smack with the hammer, ring the bell, and you win a prize. And so Prove I ran how that weak your muscles are. Yeah. So that was my game for a while at Ren Fair. And then at Fright Fest, it was more just being kind of a wandering costumed character in the park. Well, a character on the creature crew, as it were. And I so uh, I got to... Uh, for a good run of about 12, 13 years, I did both those shows every year for the holiday money. Um, and uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, I was sort of more or less supplied a costume for Renaissance Fair, just a general, like, peasant floppy hat and shirt and some canvas pants and, a, you know, a vest. And, and that was kind of the uniform everybody on the games crew wore. But I had to make my own, <clears throat> excuse me, I got to make my own costume uh, for the most part for Fright Fest. And I was a troll. And within the parlance of the uh, of of that that particular event, a troll was a kind of a, a large, uh, stinky orc-like character that had a, a very elaborate face mask, and and you know they they had us make our own costumes. The only guidance we really got, we had to kind of source our own supplies and put things together ourselves, which was fine because we were supposed to look like really unsophisticated bridge-dwelling you know lumpy things. So uh, the only guidance we really got was. Yeah, use chains, use like the spikes you get by the pound at Hot Topic, use leather, use fur, combine <laughs> in any ratio you want. So we all looked kind of different, but we all had sort of similar elements to our costumes. But yeah, that was really fun. Um, but yeah, that's a character that was sort of owned by the production company that was handling the, the show at that time. So, you know, it's, it's if I wanted to, to put it on and go back out again, I could do it. I just couldn't uh, necessarily work like a haunted house or something. I'd have to go to like a... A, a bar costume contest or do some kind of pub crawl with it on. But that was about uh, 30 pounds worth of shit that I had to put on, and it was hot as hell. So thankfully, being in the Midwest, uh, usually October is when the temperature starts to reverse direction a little bit. 
so maybe that first weekend towards, towards the, like closer to the end of September was a little bit toasty, but usually by the second, third, and certainly the last weekend as you're edging up on on what essentially happens to be winter in this part of the world, uh, we were about the only warm ones in the entire park. But it was a good time. It was a good time, and I look back on those memories very fondly. So now if you were to go to a convention, would you think you would dress up for it, or is it just something you want to go and observe? Uh, you know, I don't think I would dress up, mostly because, um, like you said, all shapes and sizes and types of people are welcome in, in the cosplay community. But uh, I would want to do something that was at least somewhat akin to the kind of body shape that I have. And I'm a six foot five, six six in boots, 320-pound guy. So unless I wanted to do, like, I don't know, Hagrid. You're a wizard, Harry. Or, um, <laughs> gosh, I don't know who else. Bomb like Hagrid. That. You really would. Well, you know, I actually, I have a, I have a friend uh, who lives in California who used to live here in Madison, in Wisconsin, and he was a very good friend of mine. He played drums in a band that my band played with a lot in the 90s and early 2000s. And he um, works with, uh, I guess, whatever the Harry Potter uh, version of the 501st is. There's a, I don't remember what they're called, uh, but he, he works with them. And he has a really, really good Mad-Eye Moody costume uh, with a nice motorized eye on it. And he uh, he goes to, to, to conventions uh-huh. as that with his crew. And um, he, he was dating a girl for a little while who uh, did Nymphadora Tonks, and she had the, the movie-accurate costume with the crazy hair, and it was really fun. Um, and he actually at some point said, you know, you'd, you'd be a really bomb-ass Hagrid. I could probably help you source some costume pieces if you ever wanted to go to a con. And uh, I, I had to politely decline at the time because I was, much like now, just absurdly busy with a thousand different things I had to, to do that were taken up by time. But I guess I'd have to do a little bit of poking around to find out what sort of characters in the nerd sphere would be appropriate for somebody of my size and height and dimensions to be able to, uh, to slap on some gear and, and go out and be recognizable. Frankie, you know what I see? We could dress him up like the Dragonborn. Get him a nice. I do remember, even though E three wasn't really a con, it was more of an expo than a con. It wasn't when I the years that I went, it wasn't open to the public yet, and I kind of cheated my way in by uh, um, not faking, but at least exaggerating an affiliation with the game industry at the time. Um, there were some costumed characters, but most of them were sanctioned. Most of them were, were actual actors that were hired to appear as the characters for the different developers that had booths there. I remember well, actually seeing... They don't seeing, have to pay them. They just show yeah. up randomly. Well, I remember seeing... Uh, at the time, I didn't know it was her, but I remember seeing Jessica Nagiri dressed up... Uh, uh, um, oh, gosh, what was the name of that game she was in uh, that she played the character? The uh, the cheerleader with the, the chainsaw and the guy's head stuck to her belt. Lollipop I played chainsaw? the chainsaw? Lollipop Chainsaw, that was the one. I got confused because I, uh, I was trying to... That, that name of that uh, that movie that's on Netflix right now with Jessica... Jessica with um, Karen Gillan. Um, I, I thought that was Lollipop Chainsaw, but whatever. It's uh, sort of the... But I, I, she was like standing like on a pedestal, like literally on... They put this woman on a pedestal outside in front of the booth <laughs> from the developer. And then I saw... Um, there were a couple of guys, the most memorable one, and I got pictures of it uh, somewhere knocking around my, my photo albums. There were a couple of guys who were in the Warhammer costumes, and I don't know, they must have been on stilts like the Pyramid Head guy you saw at the con, because they were just, they stood about 12 or 13 feet high, and they were in these huge, elaborate, articulated Warhammer armors, and they actually were so outsized, and so, uh, I'm sure the sight lines inside the costume were so awful, they were actually walking around with a couple of handlers that were kind of keeping people away from knocking them over, and also helping them kind of navigate their way around the convention floor, but for the most part, I mean, yeah, we didn't really see a whole lot of, uh, of cosplayers at that, but... But um, any ones we did see tended to be actual hired actors. So it's a different level than it is just sort of doing it for passion and fandom. But 
But um, yeah, at some point, I think I really am going to make it a point to go to to some of these cons and and sort of check out uh, all all the fan creations. I've seen like photo dumps or YouTube compilation videos of folks that put these things together, and I'm always incredibly impressed at the ingenuity and the passion and the authenticity they bring to these things. It really is just a a great display of, of, of any any one person's particular fandom and really what they're into, and you can tell the passion they put into it just by kind of looking at how they how they present themselves. Yeah, for real. And one of the cool things that I really love about Comic Cons, uh, in particular, uh, anyone who knows MythBusters knows Adam Savage. I reject your reality and substitute my own. Adam yep. Savage is the biggest geek in the world. He is huge geek, and we love him. For he that. One of the things he likes to do is put these elaborate costumes together and go basically undercover at a convention and see how long it takes him to get noticed, to get identified, and to how long his anonymity can last. And so I've seen him do Kylo Ren. I've seen him do Chewbacca, and his Chewbacca costume was great. Uh, I think he did Totoro at one point. Um, shit, there's dozens of things he's done, and and it's always different. It's always something unique. But things like watching videos like that, uh, where he's wandering around conventions in character, and and people are just posing for pictures, thinking, "Hey, this guy's Kylo Ren. This guy's cool." Until someone finally identifies him. And I don't know how they identify him. Maybe it's because he's got a handler filming him the whole time or what. But uh, go out on YouTube and search uh, Adam Savage's Tested channel. And there's lots of videos of him undercover at these conventions. And they're freaking brilliant. Yeah, I've seen a couple of videos like that. There's there's a few celebrities that do that. I remember watching a video of um, uh, Brian Cranston. Um, dressed up in, a, in a, a very accurate Walter White outfit I've with a sage-colored check shirt and a pair of khaki pants, and he's walking around on the on the convention floor with one of those insanely detailed, accurate like vinyl face masks that hug your features. And, and it was that the, mask was the, um, scary accurate. The Heisen- it yeah, it really looked like, like it was his face. The Heisenberg mask, where he's bald with the glasses and everything. I am not in danger, Skyler. I am the danger. A guy opens his door and gets shot, and you think that of me? No. I am the one who knocks. And then uh, he has footage of him wandering around the convention floor talking to people. Hey, man, great costume. And then he rocks up to the panel and he uh, lifts the mask off of his own face. And it's like one of the craziest. It's like that scene in uh, Total Recall where the, that, that mask comes off. that's hyper-realistic and it's it's a different person underneath, only it's the same face. It's, it's he lifts off the, the thing that was... The thing that was modeled on his face, and it's his actual face underneath. But, of course, Brian Cranston, when he wasn't shooting Breaking Bad, actually had hair and didn't wear glasses. So, slightly different. Um, but uh, everybody, you could tell people that had, that had seen him on the floor, they're all, oh, my God, clapping and pointing and and uh, realizing they'd had themselves a celebrity encounter without realizing it. And uh, I also <laughs> remember seeing a video at one That's, point. I love that. Yeah. There's a video I saw of, of Andrew Garfield doing the same thing at a con in a Spider-Man costume and then, you know, rocking up and taking the mask off and watching people kind of fill their pants with shit that they didn't realize it really was actually him when those movies were happening. I think Tom Holland could be again a few times, too. Which yeah, is great. it should be interesting. 
I love that kind of stuff. I love it when because I imagine, especially as a celebrity, um, it's it's a re- if you go out, you're going to get mobbed by people, especially if you're someplace where there's a ton of fans around. So to be able to not just go out as yourself and not have to worry that you're going to get swarmed to people, but go out as one of your own characters, so you can sort of like see an authentic reaction that people will have to your character as opposed to you as a celebrity. Uh, yeah, I'm surprised more people don't do it. Yeah, that'd be great. Can you imagine just Adam Driver showing up in full Kylo Ren gear? And people are like, oh, that's a good Kylo Ren costume. Let's get a picture. Let's get a picture. And then he rocks the helmet off, and it's actually fucking Adam Driver. That'd be legit. Yeah, he'd be pretty easy to spot, though. You can't hide uh, Ben Swallow underneath a, uh, an off-the-rack off costume. <laughs> that guy's about as wide as a Mack truck, and good for him. It'd have to be the legit costume. Yeah, it would be. But, uh, and, and, and things like that are great. I mean, that's one of the things I like about conventions. One of the other things I like is... Uh, I like meeting celebrities. I do. When and if I get a chance to meet celebrities, even if it's just for a very brief encounter. Like I have this thing where I like to meet uh, Star Trek actors. So one of the real big draws for Comic-Con this year for me going is uh, LeVar Burton's supposed to be there. And I would just absolutely love to get an autograph or a picture with LeVar Burton. Uh, and I've met you know, Michael Dorn in the past, John DeLancey. Um, and I always forget his name. Dude who plays uh, Mad Murdock on the A-Team. Dwight Schultz. I met Dwight Schultz. I've met Michael Dorn. I got to meet Nichelle Nichols, who is super amazing. I got to meet George Takei, um, who my former bass player almost stepped on coming out of the restroom. As a little visual aside that the folks at home won't necessarily be able to enjoy, but i got to show this to Frankie, our, our good friend that we've just talked about, Paul Haga, who makes uh, from PH Props, who makes the, the, the costumes. His current uh, Facebook avatar picture is him in his uh, Riker get-up meeting Jonathan Frakes, and he actually toted a, a full-on uh, <laughs> the fucking trombone, trombone into the convention to be able to go and get that picture. <laughs> That's great. It looks like That's how Daddy dedicated Riker. that can is. It looks like Daddy Riker and Son Riker. I don't know. Yeah. It's funny. But see, now I think uh, Haga can get the updated uh, Star Trek uniform, like the gray shoulder uniform, and do the Silver Fox version of Riker that we saw in uh, Picard season one. I think that'd be great. There's nothing that guy can't make on his own. I mean, I, I remember back when we were originally uh, get, getting him to, to come on the show, I sent you that, the compilation of pictures, and his, his oh, dread yeah. costume is movie accurate. He, he built a Chewbacca that you could shoot in the background of a of a Star Wars movie, and nobody would bat an eyelash. He's, he's yeah. got the Riker costume. He's got the Batman costume. He, you know, the dude, is he's, he's out there pretty much every weekend, or at least every other weekend, driving around his DeLorean, rocking yeah. a movie accurate costume that he put together with his own two human hands, and I got nothing but respect for that dude for that. Absolutely. So, uh, celebrity encounters, I think, is great. Uh, you get to meet authors and writers, and I read a lot of people who do, uh, like, the web comics I read and things like that. And You get to meet a lot. I met um, Timothy Zahn was a really cool meet for me. I read a lot of the old Star Wars books before they got canceled from canon. But uh, he was the one who created Grand Admiral Thrawn. He created Mara Jade Skywalker. Um, One of the best authors of Star Wars Extended Universe. I got to meet him, shake his hand. My son got to meet him and got one of his books autographed. So that was kind of neat. And so that's something that I really look forward to at conventions as well. 
in addition to like swagging, I like to go there and buy comic books or last time I went it was fucking lightsabers. And I know you Merch. got sucked into the same trap too, Frankie, because you bought a lightsaber from the exact same vendor. Yeah. So mine are hanging on, on the ground. Yeah, <laughs> mine are hanging on the wall by my I have hallway. a much nicer one now though upstairs. You'll have to show me that one before I leave. Yeah. But uh that's actually one of my I've got like a savings account already set aside for this Comic Con. Nice. Because my goal is to get Obi Wan Kenobi's lightsaber from Star Wars episode one. You were right about one thing, Master. The negotiations were short. Which I know everybody hates the Phantom Menace. I don't care. What I really love about that movie was that design. His lightsaber design in that movie was just mint. I love that. So I've always wanted one. And I think if I'm able to track one down, uh, I've already justified the price. So <laughs> it's just going to happen. <laughs> At least happen. to yourself. You know, we'll have to ask Danny if she's uh, on board with that. You will ask her nothing. <laughs> She doesn't need to know. She's not even going to listen to this episode. How she much knows what run? she married. 20 bucks. Don't worry about oh, it. Oh, yeah. No, it was, I got a good deal. <laughs> he was a fan of the show. <laughs> 80% off. 80% off. Sure, sure. But uh, I forget the fact that she's going to be standing right beside me <laughs> when I buy it. Honey, go I'm take fun, the kids I'm to that panel. I got to go see a man about a lightsaber. Yeah, what's that over there? <laughs> Is that Batman? Run. <laughs> Where the hell did Dad go? Oh, no. I see lightsabers. But yeah, He's so going to come back I mean, several hundred bucks lighter, but carrying something that he's been drooling over since before he even put on the costume to come here this morning. Indeed. So at least I have a plan. But like I've come out with awesome swag from these conventions. I remember coming out of one of these and... Jim, you know, I collect video game consoles. And one of the consoles that I couldn't source locally um, was a Japanese import uh, NES, or a Super NES, excuse me, the uh, Super Famicom. And I was able to find it uh, through a vendor called uh, Pink Gorilla. They got a store up in Seattle. And I was able to buy the uh, Super Famicom plus three games. Now I can't play any of these games. Because they're all in Japanese, and yeah. I don't speak Japanese, and I don't read Japanese, but I can say I have it. It's really neat. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but like, Frankie, I look at your walls, and I can see that you are into the swag. You got swords and keyblades and the hand-done artworks. And Nerd magic. magic. Nerd yeah, magic, buddy. exactly. Um, one of my actual like favorite pieces is the big Sailor Moon metal piece that I have upstairs. Okay, uh, I don't think I've seen it. Yeah, uh, you'll you'll see it once we go upstairs and you see the lightsaber. Um, Fair enough. The it's um bits bits of steel is the name of the the guy's company, and um, when I originally bought it. Uh, the convention before COVID, you know, took over. Uh, he didn't have the rest of the sailors. He just had Sailor Moon. Right. And so 
I had asked, I was like, so when are the rest of the sailors going to be coming? And he's like, oh, I, I have it. You know, it's like it's a work in progress. And so this year when I went, uh, he happened to have the rest of the sailors minus one because uh, he couldn't get it. He couldn't he didn't have enough time to make it the way he wanted it before the convention. Okay. And there's much they're much smaller versions and they're like the full body. Mm-hmm. Whereas uh, the Sailor Moon piece is literally um, the cutout and the, the, the color is like mid transformation. Interesting. To where like she's all blue with the, the like the pink going all around. So uh but yeah, I purchased the other eight sailors. I was only able to walk out with two because he wants to do a good a, a better repaint of what he had there because okay. he only had like eight types of paint. Whereas now because he has a workshop and all this other shit, he has like fifty some odd colors. And he's going to be able to paint them the way they want. And he's going to mail the rest to me. So I'm going to have Sailor Moon and then the rest of the sailors like all around her as, you know, a team. That's interesting. That's really neat. Uh, Jim, do you you collect video game swag? So, I mean, we're kind of in the I same do. level with that. There was kind of a bummer, actually, when I went to uh, E3 because a lot of places were handing out stuff like T-shirts uh, and, and, of course, any... Uh, any Ain't nobody got a shirt your size. No, that's the problem. I mean, they only go up to about a 2X at that, and if I want to uh, have a nice rag to wipe my car with, I can have that. That's great. <laughs> so I did collect a lot of T-shirts, and I wound up actually giving them to a lot of friends uh, who I knew happened to be into certain franchises. Like I had a neighbor at the time who was um, uh, super into Borderlands, and I wound up giving him my uh, my Borderlands 2 T-shirt. But, yeah, they were just handing out swag hand over fist to the point where you walk in the door, and they give you a giant shopping canvas bag with usually some developer's logo or some upcoming game plaster on the outside of it. And you just wander the floor and you pick up shot glasses and t-shirts and ballpoint pens and hats and every other damn thing you could possibly imagine that you could slap a logo or a, a game onto. And and I wound up um, one year almost having to buy another suitcase to be able to just pack all the shit that I picked <laughs> up from the convention floor. Uh, I didn't actually buy another suitcase, but I did take a picture of the seam coming off the suitcase that I did bring. Uh, just, you know, I had to sit on the goddamn thing to get it zipped shut. But, yeah, so uh, that is that is obviously one of the, the big perks of going to a con is that uh, all these, uh, whether it's a comic book uh, publisher or whether it's a video game developer or whether it's a TV production company, they're, they're handing out promo. They got to get the word out about whatever it is their property is they're trying to make people aware of. So you can uh, definitely indulge your fandom for free or at least for no more than the price of your admission ticket if you can run around and pick up that stuff. Well, that, I mean, that's kind of the basic thrust of what I wanted to talk about and uh, just kind of uh, talk about conventions, get myself hyped up for conventions, get myself hyped up for the return of comic conventions and, and the like, because, I mean, I'm, I'm certainly looking forward to post-COVID life. It has ruled enough. We've, we've, we've had enough. Can't takes no more. That's all I can stand. I can't stand no more. But That's uh, about it. Uh, uh, I was just going to say the last thing I wanted to add was I remember going to Rose City Comic Con at one point with a bunch of friends and and uh, uh, my friend Chris's father uh, purchased these busts of the members of Kiss and and these <laughs> things the boxes were were like 
two foot by one foot. I mean, these things are huge. And, of course, we have four, four members of KISS, four busts. Uh, he had to have mm-hmm. our help to get them out to the parking lot because how the hell is he going to carry them? He didn't bring a wagon. He didn't bring a tow truck. I mean, we all did. We all had to leave the convention just to get his shit, stow it in the car, and then we got to go back in. And I've never gotten to the point where I've had to do that for myself because most of the shit that I collect is pretty small and, and unobtrusive. Last time it was two lightsabers, and I can carry two lightsabers, but... You got two hands. That's I mean, right. You could always, that, if you wanted to, to cosplay Grievous, you could always take up to eight, I think. But uh, ooh, you know, hey, there's an idea. General Kenobi, <laughs> you are a bold one. <laughs> General, one more Kenobi. for the collection. But uh, I mean, that's kind of, like I said. That's kind of what I wanted to discuss. I really wanted to kind of amp myself up for uh, Comic Cons coming up and the return of of uh, pre-COVID life, kind of or in as much as we get it and in, in whatever form that's going to take. Whatever and, the new uh, normal is that emerges from all of this. Right. I'm so sick of that term, new normal. But, I mean, that's just legitimately what it is. Yeah. It's the only one that fits, so, sadly. I mean, if I can entreat you to do any goddamn thing out there, get the vaccine. If you're not going to get the vaccine, stay the hell away from people. Uh, let this herd immunity kick in so we can kick COVID to the curb. I'm tired of it. I know you're tired of it. No matter where you sit on the spectrum, you're tired of it, too. So just kind of do what you can. Do your part to kind of make this shit go away so we can have nice things again. So we can have Comic-Cons. We can have concerts. We can go sit in a crowded movie theater and and yell at the screen when a new Marvel logo comes up, you know. Or when uh, a long time ago when a galaxy far, far away comes on the screen, we can all cheer like fucking idiots. So much geek stuff is about the community. And if there's no gatherings, it's really hard to maintain that sense of unity among for your real. fandom. So, for yeah, real. as soon as we can get this this stuff wrapped up, buttoned up, and kicked to the curb, like you said, then the, the sooner we can all get back to uh, in, indulging our fandom writ large on the scale that we're used to and that it'd be great to get back to. Absolutely. And so from us to you, we want to thank you for listening to another episode of the podcast. Frankie, I want to thank you for joining us. Uh, it was nice having you back. Yeah, same. Right. And uh, uh, one more time, for those of you guys looking for us, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Fuel Your Fandom. You can hit us up in our Gmail if you want to contribute what your favorite part of convention life is. I would certainly love to hear about it. Once again, this is never meant to be a one-way conversation, but rather a, uh, an open conduit for these kind of conversations. So hit us up at fuelyourfandom at gmail.com. Or hit us at the backup email address at fyftalibooking at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram at at fuelyourfandom. And the latest and greatest, freshest and finest episodes are always up at fuelyourfandom at buzzsprout.com if you don't want to wait for things to syndicate to your favorite podcast platform. Absolutely. And keep in mind, we are uh, getting ready to kick off. I know I keep saying it, but we're still waiting on the official artwork to finish up. We're going to be kicking off our charitable donation uh, foundation, which is the Fuel the Future uh, Foundation, four Fs. Fantastic four. Hey. Uh, But we're looking forward to starting that. It's coming up really, really soon. Uh, The aim of that, of course, is, again, to put reading material and comic books in the hands of uh, the youth that can't uh, afford it on their own. And so we are going to start locally with my comic shop up here, Olympic Cards and Comics. We're going to start with your shop out there, Jim, that you were talking about. I forget the name uh, offhand. It's out here in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. It's called Comic Alley. Uh, my friend Trike runs that, and he does a fantastic job down there. So we're going to definitely make inroads with that particular platform as well. 
Right. And so what we're doing right now is we've set up a Venmo, we've set up a Cash App, and we've set up a PayPal. On all of these platforms, if you're looking to donate, you can hit us up. Uh, Venmo is at Fuel Your Fandom, and uh, PayPal and Cash App are both Fuel Your Fandom as well. All one word, uh, no punctuation or underscores or anything like that. We made it simple because we're simple folk. We want to make sure we can find it, much less you can find it. So uh, keep your eyes out for that. We'll be announcing much more about that here in the coming weeks and months as we round out the end of Season 3. But from us to you, we want to thank you again for listening. And please do remember what we try to remind you every week. Everything is fandom. And fandom is everything. Take care. Maybach music. Maybach music. Maybach music.